Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Guy Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. QJ, Sun Guy with you as usual. Real fast before we jump into things with our guests, some show notes. If you're looking for some pro wrestling today, WCWO as usual at Indianapolis, FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, EPW in New Albany, Indiana, and MPG is at the Comic Con in Indianapolis tomorrow night. AFW in Sevierville, Tennessee, Surefire Wrestling in Brownwood, Texas, RWC in Liberty, North Carolina, PWK in Bourbon, Indiana, NEW in Shelbyville, Indiana, 907 in Anchorage, Alaska, EMFX in Lafayette, Indiana, IPW in Muncie, Indiana, Supreme in Madison, Indiana, AACW in Kokomo, Indiana, WWA in Eddieville, Kentucky, UCW in Saginaw, Michigan, and EPW in Odin, Indiana. Make sure you go support your local wrestling if you have it near. But without further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show today. He is the Toxic King, Rico Hendricks. Rico Hendricks, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. feels good to be on here. I haven't been on a podcast in a minute. Well, since it's your first time with us, our first question to you will be, how did you get into the world of pro wrestling? I got into the world of professional wrestling when I was, um, how old was I? I was about 19 years old. No, 18, I'm sorry. And I was just about to leave the college that I was attending. And with the refund check that they gave me, because you do get um, a refund check from financial aid and everything like that, I was about to pay for wrestling school. And um, that's literally what I did. And then I just went from there. I was 19 years old when I started um, in January of 2019. Then I had my first match in September 2019. So we've been full speed ahead ever since. Now, getting into pro wrestling, did you have, like, a background, maybe amateur or MMA or anything like that that prepared you for what wrestling was? Not really. I mean, I wrestled my junior and senior year in high school, but that was only because the football coach made us do something in the off season. So, I mean, I just did it to stay in shape. I wasn't very good at it, but it did get my body used to what I do now. So, it definitely helped out a lot. Now, in the world we are in right now with the uh, pandemic still kind of lingering so far, what did you have to do when wrestling was not active in order to stay in ring shape? What did I have to do? I mean, really, for me, I honestly didn't do a good job of that. 
I didn't. Uh, I I self go a little bit, you know. I slacked, and then I had what happened is I had a match one time, and I, like four minutes in, I was like dead. I was like, this will never happen again. So ever since then, I've been hitting the gym hard, hitting training hard, lost a bunch of weight, and um, I feel pretty good right now. Now, in pro wrestling, especially the last few years, one of the ways the promoters have been trying to keep the the attention on their product is live streaming of shows. It's become uh-huh. more and more widely available. On the shows that you do, do you see a lot of live streaming of the shows, or is it something that's more just for the fans? No, I see a lot of people live streaming now, uh, namely 1CW. Like, Sean Hardy posts a show while he's sitting there at um, ringside. Like, now, a lot of people, they have their content out pretty quickly, so it doesn't really matter if it's live or not. But the bulk of people, yes, they do it all the time. They want to get eyes on their product. They want to make sure that their guys are being showcased, and that's that. As far as attendance go, do you personally feel like live streaming may hurt the live crowds, or do you think that live crowds are going to come regardless? Um, it, it honestly depends on the promotion. Uh, live crowds, for the ones that I wrestle for, they're going to come regardless. They're diehard. They're loyal. They're going to be there. Um, it's more so for the people that, A, are out of state, can't get there, and, B, for those that can't make it even if they are around those that may have never seen a show from said promotion before. It helps out to um it helps out just so they can get a little bit of exposure to their brand. And trust me, it has helped. Like people have seen Rico Hendricks that would have never seen me otherwise. So I I'm a huge proponent for this, but overall the fans are gonna come regardless. Especially if they have little kids. Little kids really love the live experience and they're not really going to have the attention span to sit in front of a cell phone for X amount of minutes per match. True. Now, also very vital in the era that we're in is merchandise. A lot of wrestlers have made part of the money up that they lost when shows had to be canceled and postponed Mm -hmm. and so forth. What is your own merchandise game like these days? I literally just got merchandise. Like, I I just got all this situated. I have T-shirts now. Um, I'll, have, I'll have a link to all of that soon. But, yeah, I was honestly struggling financially during the pandemic. But I know a lot of people that have made crazy money. Um, a good friend of mine, he sold so many T-shirts. Like, it paid for his next set of gear. And gear is not cheap at all. So it's just amazing to see uh, the people that were out there truly hustling like that. Unfortunately, I was not in a position to be able to do that until recently, but I've seen it done. Speaking of gear, like you say, it's very expensive, but a lot of people took the opportunity to update their gear and get all new fresh gear made. So when they came back, they looked fresh in the fans' eyes. Do you, at this point, have a go-to gear maker? I'm not, I know you aren't very far into your career yet, but do you have a guy that handles all that for you? Um, most recently, I've been using Champ City gear. 
Um, they're they're pretty good at what they do, the tights and everything. I've never had an issue with their product, so I mean, it's a safe bet. Um, who else have I used? I used one person, but I'm not gonna mention them because I have a bad review and I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> um, but other than, I think I used Champ City, Ava Bros. That's really been it. I haven't used oh, oh and Sway Archer, Sway Archer. Like, I'm about to use him for something that's actually about to come out, hopefully, by the end of this year, if not early next year. Now, looking around the locker rooms that you're in, do you see a lot of people that have intricate type of gear these days, or do you see guys that are doing, like, the basic collar, nothing really fancy type of stuff? Right. I've seen a lot of people with intricate uh, designs. One of my favorites was this guy, um, well, Merrick Miami. Um, I love his gear. He, I think he actually makes his own. I'm not certain. But I love the gear that he has. It's phenomenal. Um, guys like Eel O'Neal now, like, goodness gracious. I mean, he's a rival of mine, but his gear is amazing. So, I mean, I can't deny that. You have guys like um, who else did I just run into not too long ago? I forgot. But you see a lot of intricate designs now. But also, it doesn't take away from the guys that are just starting out and you know keeping the basic trunks, keeping the basic knee pads and boots or kick pads. It, I mean, it just depends on the person. Now you are up in the northeast part of the country. And there are a lot of promotions there. Uh, it's just a tighter area of the country, more population-based. Do you ever see yourself maybe migrating out to, say, the West Coast or the Southwest and try different areas out? I'd love to. Um, as of right now, though, given real life cir- how real-life circumstances are going, it's not feasible to do that. However, um if I ever get an opportunity to go out, you know, out to Arizona or Texas or something like that, I would most certainly love to. I've just condensed my wrestling schedule, like, immensely. So now I'm kind of only working in, like, Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania. Um, I haven't gotten to Jersey in a minute, but, I mean, that's considered. But I, I'm just, you know, staying a little local right now. But trust me, I've I'd love to get back out. Furthest I've been is Indiana so far, and it's way different over there. But I definitely want to get out. Now, a lot of times the fan bases at places like Virginia, Indiana, West Virginia, they get a little bit more rowdy. I see a lot of wrestlers talk about uh, riots, knife fights, stuff like that that you don't see other places. Do you ever run mm-hmm. into that type of crowd? A riot crowd? No. Actually, something happened. Delaware, I meant to add that on there. But um, that ties into my next story. Uh, I, I am a heel, like 90% of the time. And this one particular night, I got a good amount of heat. And um, there was a fan outside prepared to fight me and had a knife in his hands and everything. So the, there are certain crowds where you have a few undesirables in there. Um, but as far as full-out riots from crowds, I haven't had that happen yet. I do anticipate it happening, though, if I end up going to some other part of the country. So, 
I don't recommend them. They're not the best day at the office. Oh, oh definitely not. Definitely not. We had to have my car. Uh, it was so bad. Somebody had to pull my car around back, and then I had to, like, sneak into my own car, and then we had to, like, haul tail out of there. I can imagine, sure. Well, at this point, my co-host QT is with us. He has questions as well, so I'll pass you over to him. Okay. Well, thank you, sign guy. Hello, Mr. Hendricks. Oh, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fairly good on this northwest day where it isn't raining. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Hendricks, time travel is often a subject on this Turnbuckle Turmoil show. If you could travel back in time and put yourself in a situation where you were a senior in high school and you could have the choice of asking Sher- Scary Sherry Martell or Stacy Keebler to the high school uh, prom dance, who would you rather ask out? Who would be your favorite f- uh, for the prom date? Scary Sherry uh, or Stacy Keebler? Probably Stacy Keebler, easily. I like them tall. I can't help it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, and on top of what, that, like, she's, she's absolutely gorgeous, so I would definitely want to try my luck. Like, I'm not afraid. Well, now Scary Sherry had some redeeming redeeming qualities, beauty-wise. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. But All right. Her being scary is enough for me, though. I'm good on that. Oh, Okay. Okay, and the macho man might be wanting to poke his nose in his business if he also time travel. Yes. But, uh, Mr. Hendricks, you said you're from the Northeast area. Do you ever travel up to Vermont and partake of their famous pancakes and maple syrup? I have never been to Vermont. Uh, (laughs) the The New England area I've been to once. And that was to Connecticut, and that was for a seminar. I have never been up there other than that. But it, I definitely got to try it, though. If, it, if it's that good where we're talking about it now, I most certainly might just go. I ask you this question because there was a wrestler named Flapjack Norton who once ate like 470 pancakes in a setting. Flapjack Norton. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And. He must have used an awful a lot of syrup. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a heart attack special. That doesn't even sound appetizing anymore. Like, I can't eat more than three. Oh, well, you know, it depends on the size of the pancake. Now, when you say three, are you saying that uh, you could not eat more than three if they were the size of a hubcap? No, three normal-sized pancakes, like at IHOP. Well, no, those aren't normal. Those are pretty big ones. Oh, okay. All right. Now, is IHOP your your number one choice for a pancake uh, restaurant? Uh, easily, yes. It's in the name. <laughs> oh, okay. I I only mention this because I grew up in in the uh, late, well, early seventies when I was a kid. They used to have a pancake restaurant. In Edmonds, Washington, called Sambles. Hmm. Sambles. Yes. Yeah, just right. I mentioned fond memories. Okay. All right. 
Well, Mr. Toxic, what college did you go to for that one year? Uh, I was at Morgan State University for, I think it was a little more than a year. It was like a year and a half. But, um, yeah, because I, I graduated high school early. I was at Morgan State University. I was a communications major. And um, I left. I mean, I had a lot going on. It was just time. Um, I couldn't stay there the entire time as much as I would have wanted to. But, you know, real life happens. Um, oh, okay. Then I went off. Then I tried to go to the community college for a little bit. And I think, like, maybe a month in, I found out I was having a daughter. So then I was like, dang, I got to work full time now. And uh, there's that. But I am going back to school in the um, spring now. So that's pretty good. I'm going back for something way different, though. I'm going into law school because I'm a little crazy. But um, hopefully this goes well for me. I believe it will. Okay. Now, did, when you did go to, uh, was it Moorhead, you said? Moorhead? Morgan. 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 Now, did you belong to a sorority like the Tri-Lambdas in Revenge of the Nerds? Uh, no, men, it's a fraternity. <laughs> now, if you could travel back in time and belong and pledge to the Tri Lambdas, do you believe you could get in? I don't even With know what that tri- is. I'm not even. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the Tri Lambdas was a sorority that, in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. Oh. Okay. I'm, well, I automatically assume that all the wrestlers I talk to have seen this cult classic, Revenge of the Nerds. I just, no, I, 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 I guess not. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, as part of your homework assignment, you may want to look up uh, s- several film clips of Revenge of the Nerds. I'll be sure to do that. <laughs> it's a very culturally enriching film. Okay. Especially when they compete in the Greek games. Greek games, yes. Okay. And you may want to pay special attention to the javelin throw that is won by Tri Lambda Lamar and his limp wristed delivery. <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. Well, all right. And if you could report back to Sign Guy on this, on your thoughts, that'd be great. That'd be very nice. Oh, all right. Well, Mr. Toxic, what weight did you wrestle in high school? I I, 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 through my sources, I I think you list yourself as a cruiserweight. So I'm going to guess you wrestled at 142. No. Um, (laughs) uh, Close, though. I was 160. Okay, 160. That's very good. Um, but my senior year, though, I was wrestling 170. I gained a little more weight. Um, but now, honestly, I'm kind of ready to break out of the cruiserweight thing. I've been hitting the gym a lot more, and then I'm like, okay, I look a little bulkier now. I'm probably like 203, 204 pounds, so I'm kind of pushing it. Okay. All right. Well, 160 is a good weight to wrestle in high school. In in fact, the 160-pound um, weight in boxing is your middleweight, and the middleweights mm-hmm. have seen, had seen a, a lot of classic fighters in the 70s and 80s, including 
uh, a Roberto Duran who had stepped up in weight later on in his career, uh, mm-hmm. Sugar Ray Leonard, and Marvelous Marvin Hagler. My question is, were you a big fan of Marvelous Marvin Hagler or Tommy the Hitman Hearns? Okay, I know who the second one is. I know who Tommy Hearns is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you may want to look up uh, – uh, um, well, I'd say, have you seen a lot of Roberto Duran after he stepped up from super lightweight? Roberto I Duran. have not. Honestly, yeah, I'm only 21. <laughs> the only boxing I really watched was Floyd Mayweather on forward. So, oh, okay. I mean, that, that was kind of my guy. Oh, wow. Okay. You may want to look up a classic fight between uh, Roberto Duran and Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns knocked Roberto Duran out. Okay. But Roberto Duran was was known as the hands of stone, and he grew up in the slums of Panama, so he was very tough. Okay. Got you. In fact, as a lightweight, Roberto Duran only lost once, and I think he was like 40-1 and as a lightweight. And that was over the over a span of like four, about four and a half years. He fought forty-two times, Roberto Duran. Okay. No, oh, okay, very good. Well, uh, the priority, though, uh, Mister Toxic, is is put a priority on, on the uh, lambda, lambda, lambda on Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Mr. Rico, Andre the Giant was on the David Letterman show, and he showed Dave his size 22 cowboy boots. Can we ask what your shoe shoe size is? I wear a 13, so (laughs) it's a little bit bigger than average, but, I mean, it's not 22 like Andre the Giant. But, yes, 13 is about what I wear. Oh, okay. All right. Well, now, uh, as you know, uh, Andre the Giant was somewhat of a uh, <coughs> prolific drinker. There was one uh, one time where he asked a ride to get a ride. I think it was a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour ride to another venue, and I'm not quite sure who was in the car with him, but he, uh, Andre said, beer. And so, oh, Andre, you want some beer? I'll stop in the, at the store. What could I get you, a six-pack? And Andre goes, two cases. And they got two cases. So he, he, sure enough, he bought Andre two cases, and uh, he sat back. Uh, the, the other wrestler was driving, and, you, and he says you could hear Andre opening up these cans. Uh, and uh, the cans were about the size of his fist. And, uh-huh. uh he himself was uh, doing some drinking, and he got through about uh, five cans and had to stop and say, Andre, I've got to go to the bathroom. And about in a uh, half hour, uh, 40 minutes after that, Andre, I've got to go to the bathroom. And so uh, they finally arrived at their destination almost four hours uh, later, and the guy looked at uh, what uh, the empty uh, cases and sure enough, Andre had drank all 48 beers, and he never had to go to the bathroom during that oh trip. 
He was definitely for that. I don't even like beer, so I don't even know how he could do that. But oh, okay, that's some superhuman level stuff. I was going to ask you on a typical four-hour road trip how many beers you could put back, and my estimation was two. Yeah, it was zero. I don't like beer. Um, <laughs> okay, that's very good. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Maybe well, some of those. Some of those brands like Coors Light or or Bud Supreme, they're they're to, they taste terrible. I mean, I think that was the one got... I had. Oh, oh no! You you you, uh, you had a Coors Light? That's like drinking water. I, I think so because what happened is I was down in Charlotte at a football game. No, it was a tailgate, and somebody gave me something, and I was like, I was about to spit it right back out. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, how about how about coffee? If you're not into beer, are you a coffee drinker? I stopped. Um, it was starting to mess with me a little bit. Um, but yes, I used to all the time. Oh, okay. All right. Now you said you were at a tailgate in Char- Charlotte. Charlotte is known as uh, Ric Flair's um, area. Were you amazed and are you aware of the story that Ric Flair uh, survived a plane crash in which he overcame a broken back? I did hear about that story. Were you a big fan of of the Four Horsemen? I actually was, yes. They're one of the better factions of all time. I I was always a huge fan of Flair as is. Um, Now it's for Arn, Tully, and I think Ole. Or am I missing one? I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I was always a Flair fan, so anything that went along with them, I just went with it. What if the stars aligned, and, again, this involves black holes and time travel, what if the four horsemen could meet up with D-Generation X in the ring? How do you think that matchup would be? It's hard to tell. Um the styles aren't very different, though. I mean, granted, like, the their characters and everything are very different, but their styles of wrestling, with the exception of maybe, like, Shawn, Mike, wait a minute, which members of DX? If we throw, are we throwing in X-Pac and, like, Shawn, Mike? You're, I mean, you're Shawn definitely Mike. throwing in X-Pac. Definitely throwing in X-Pac, yes. Okay, we can throw in X-Pac, then, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting match. Because now you got a little bit more speed on the other side. Like, Shawn Michaels is quick, but that's not what he's known for. X-Pac, he'll go boom, boom, boom. Okay, so that's probably – it'd be really interesting to see. And I think, I mean, in the world where professional wrestling was not scripted, I believe that the Generation X would end up – nah, Four Horsemen would take that. They're a little more – Okay, um, very good. They have a higher ring IQ, so I feel like they'd be fine. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Toxic, Texas A&M football team, despite having two losses, recently beat Alabama. In fact, it was last Saturday. Now, mm-hmm. the fans of Texas A&M, they stormed the field in, mass, in Moss, and they were fined $100,000 by the NCAA uh, committee. That says there should be no storming of the fields uh, whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. That's $100,000, and this went to a scholarship. My question is, have you ever been in a wrestling venue 
where you have won a title match and fans storm the ring and they were fined two dollars. <laughs> I honestly, I wish that'd have been fun. I've only had two title wins. The first one, the one uh, CW Cruiserweight Championship, um, I won that, and they booed me out of the building like they're supposed to. The second time, almost the same thing, but it was more 50-50. Like, a lot of people were cheering the fact that I won, although I was a mega heel. But, no, nobody ever stormed the ring. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh, boy, no one stormed. Okay. Well, Mr. Hendricks, in your estimation – how well could you do against Tom Brady in a fourth quarter, two minutes to go, behind by three points, stipulation match? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I behind by three or is he behind by three? You are both behind by three points. Both. Oh, we both. Okay. Ooh. Honestly, I've always been good at coming from behind, so – even in, like, other sports. So, I think I'd be okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Toxic, can you tell us the moment you saw or remember when Randy Orton made his debut against Kurt Angle and he stared down Kurt Angle and said, I'm the poster boy for ruthless aggression. Can you tell us where you were and what your impressions were? Wait, that was John Cena, wasn't it? Oh, John Cena, yes. Who did I say? Yes. Orton the Viper? You said Orton. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was about to say Orton debuted against Curtis. But um, yeah. Where? When did I see it? Way later in life. I was pretty young at the time. Um, I saw the reruns of it, and I was like, oh, John Cena looks pretty good. It, it was different to me because I'm only used to seeing uh, jean shorts and big basketball jersey John Cena but then I'm seeing that I'm like okay this is is different and then I went from ruthless aggression then he um, evolved into what he became and what he made most of his money doing okay what was Randy Orton Orton one of your favorite wrestlers the Viper yeah I didn't appreciate him until later. Oh, okay. I, I don't think he was – nah. I wasn't really a fan of his at first. Um, I didn't – I think probably when I was about 17, 18, I was like, oh, okay, Randy Orton's that guy. But when I was younger, obviously he's a heel, the mega heel at the time. That was when he, was, when he um, had that feud with Triple H when he DDT'd Stephanie and when he handcuffed him, um, all of that fun stuff. So, obviously, you're not going to be too fond of that, especially when you're getting too into it. Um, but Randy Orton is one of the greatest of all time, period. Um, his pacing in the ring. Like, when you become a wrestler, you begin to see things a little bit differently. Uh, you see his pacing in the ring. You see his ability to make everything matter. He makes his moments bigger than what almost anybody could make uh, make them. So it, it's just amazing seeing him in action and seeing how much of a perfectionist he is, or so it seems. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, Okay. All right. Well, uh, as you you may not know, but Randy Orton uh, did enlist in the Marine Corps. However, 
his uh, time in the Marine Corps was kind of limited. He got a bad conduct discharge. For what, I'm not sure. But some people go into the military with, uh, uh, I, I don't know, maybe as a way to get uh, instant employment or mm-hmm. escape a home life. Like Rocky Graziano, the middleweight champ of the uh, the mid forties, but he didn't mm-hmm. last too long because he was a product of the streets, and he got in trouble for hitting an officer, and he got jailed mm-hmm. before this. He was jailed on Rikers Island, and then he joined the Navy, hit an officer, and was uh, sentenced to the uh, the army brig, but he uh, he went AWOL from the army brig and was on the lamb. Later on, he captured the middleweight championship of the world against Tony Zale, so things turned out right for Rocky Graziano. But I guess it did. Not so good. Another celebrity that made it big after not a not-so-promising military career was Jerry Garcia, singer of The Grateful Dead. He got stationed in the Presidio, of all places, in San Francisco, his hometown, and he just mm-hmm. didn't show up for a lot of the time. He just didn't bother going to work. And they had a lot. Uh, they finally had enough of him not showing up for work and discharged him. Hmm. Why I bring that up, I'm not sure. But it did. Randy Orton was among those. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> Well, now speaking of Jerry Garcia, he was a musician. Can we ask what your entrance music is to the ring? My entrance music was actually made. It's custom. It was by um, Mouthpiece Studios by Roger McDonald, who is the amazing. If anybody, any wrestler is listening to this and needs entrance music or anything done, please go to him. His timeliness was on point, fair price. I, Great, ten out of ten. Um, yeah, so it's custom. <laughs> have you ever thought? Uh, have you ever thought about using the song "Straight Out of Compton" by N.W.A. and Ice Cube for your entrance music? I have not. No, no it doesn't work for my character. Yeah, oh, okay. It's a little too. Ag- it's a little too aggressive. Oh, okay. Were you a big fan of Ice Cube in this movie, or? Did you prefer Big Worm? <laughs> I mean, Ice Cube was... <laughs> oh, okay. How did you like the acting of Debo or Tiny Lester? Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Yes. Oh, okay. I uh, Yes, especially when he uh, took a closer look at Craig and Smokey looking for that uh-huh. uh, gold they put around their neck. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, I I love that movie. Yes. All right. Well, at this moment, I'm going to give it back over to Sign Guy, and I wish you good luck in in your Revenge of the Nerds homework assignment. All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Back to you, Sign Guy. Thanks, QT. Well, Mr. Hendricks, like QT said, there are a lot of films out there, a lot of them – have to do with pro wrestling. You have the 70s version and the 2000s version of the wrestler. No whole uh-huh. card. Nacho Libre. There's so many out there. What would you say has been the best of the pro wrestling based movies? 
Uh, Mickey Rourke's the wrestler. That was the best one. Uh, Nacho Libre, I watched the most, though. Now, have you ever faced off with one of the people in that film, a human tornado? So have I ever faced off with them? Yes. Oh, no. Now, would you welcome a chance to face off with the human tornado who is still active to this day? Oh, absolutely. I'm not a, Yeah, I'll take anybody. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Now, as we get closer and closer to all the borders being open and travel being much more easy to navigate, do you have any out-of-the-country areas that you would most like to go to wrestle? I've always wanted to wrestle in Canada uh, just because of the uh, hearts and their influence on professional wrestling. So I was like, uh, I think it'd be really, really cool to get up there. Um I want to get over to the UK, probably over in, like, um, there's a promotion called WXW overseas. I definitely would love to go there. Uh, that's really it. Uh, Japan, I don't know if that – trust me, I would not turn down the invitation, but my style over there it might go over their fans' head just because they're used to one thing. Although I can definitely evolve into what they would need, but uh, I feel like as far as what would be a good fit, I'd love to go over into, like, Germany, and I'd love to go to, like, uh, England, just everywhere. One of the places that has pro wrestling now, and it's – Basically brand new. They opened right before the pandemic, and they're just now getting back started. That is in Romania. They are affiliated mm-hmm. with Ohio Valley Wrestling, of all things. Have you ever given thought or heard about the pro wrestling just underway at Romania? I have not. That's the first time I heard of that. That's really cool, actually. Yes. There's I would a, love, I'd love to go. That sounds fun. Yeah, they definitely have it. They had a seminar this week with a wrestler out of the Midwest called Jake Oman. So they are back in business right now. Okay. Yeah, I've never been out of the country before, so I'm hoping wrestling can do that for me. For sure. Now, one of the things that is coming up is something that wrestling has had for quite a while, but it's very... Sporadic. That being wrestling aboard a cruise ship, the Jericho Cruise is just about underway. Is wrestling on a cruise ship something that you have ever considered or thought about so far? Yes, I'm kind of mad because Jericho got to do it before I did. But, yes, most certainly. Now, do you think that wrestling on a cruise ship, do you think that that's going to open up – different challenges at a standard show, or do you think it'll go pretty much how most independent shows go today? I mean, not really. I don't see it being too, too different. I mean, the only thing is that the venues change. That's it. You're mm, maybe as far as like 
like electricity and all that goes. I know cruise ships have it and everything like that, but when you're out in the middle of the ocean, sometimes like your connection can be a little wonky. Um, as far as getting certain wrestlers on there, uh, there the challenges that come with wrestling on a cruise ship are the same challenges that can honestly happen at any show. So it's I don't see it being anything too different. One of the key people at NXT that is in charge of scouting talent, and he's the on-air figurehead, is William Regal. He Mm -hmm. was a legendary wrestler in his own right, both here and in Europe. Uh, He's helped a lot of people in their career, be they made it to NXT or not. What are your thoughts on William Regal? I believe he's one of the most underrated talents ever. I I don't think that people put him in the category of the, um, I believe Chris Jericho is number one, by the way, but I don't think people put him in that category simply because he's never been the champion before. Um, But William Regal could definitely have a good match with just about anybody. Uh, he's somebody who you definitely want to learn from as far as watching film goes, as far as just seeing his timing, his mannerisms. And the the coolest part about him is that he can get nitty-gritty and he can grind your face into the mat, but he also has some very, very hilarious moments that happened in the ring. And because of that, it just really shows his versatility. And it shows that with all of that, you will always have a job. Because if they can get tired of you doing the nitty-gritty stuff and they find somebody that does it better and you can't do anything else, you're screwed. So that that's one lesson I definitely learned from him. But I wish I could wrestle the way he does, trust me. I watch a lot of film on him. Now, the flip side of Regal would be a hardcore type of guy like, say, a uh, Madman Pondo. Do you ever... Mm-hmm watch or try to participate in that style. Wait, in what style? I'm sorry. Like the more hardcore deathmatch type of deal. No, 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 no. I would do it if I needed it. But um, as for like a consistent thing, absolutely not. I feel like, for me anyways, um, I would do it if, Like, it was a blow-off to a blood feud that's been going on for a long, long time, and now we got to get to a point where we're just trying to kill each other. Yes, I'll do one like that. Other than that, absolutely not. I mean, that takes years off your career. Sometimes it's not even worth it. Like, I have a kid. (laughs) Sometimes you got to play it smart. Speaking of blood, have you ever had a match where you did spill blood? Yes, I did. Um, I, I had a match. It was a six-man tag team match of all matches. Um, and the spot went, uh, there was a guy who was going to do a moonsault on all three of us on the opposite team. And what happened is that the only one in position to catch him was me. My one partner was off to my right a little bit. Then the other one was just kind of in the back chilling. So he kind of owed me dinner after that one because I was – not right. But anyways, guy comes down, his knee cracks me right in the top of my nose. 
And I spent the night in the hospital with a broken nose. I was terrible. But what happened is, is at first I was just laying on the ground covering up my face like, ow, this hurts. And then I stand up, and the blood just starts pouring and pouring. And I'm trying – and in Maryland, you're not allowed to bleed. But I'm trying to get away with it for a second. So I go back in the ring, and I finish the spot or something like that. And then all I hear from ringside is like, Rico, go to the back. Rico, go to the back. I'm like, oh, man. But um, the blood stopped pretty quickly once I got back there. I came back out, finished the match. But um, I I was a little dizzy afterwards. It wasn't really worth it. I probably should have just stayed in the back because I was out of it. I couldn't. I couldn't see straight, nose was hurting, face was hurting. I had like five or six scratches on the left side of my face. Uh, it looked like I'd just been through absolute crack. And there was blood on my brand-new gear, too. Granted, that was the gear I didn't like, but still. How was that the worst injury that you've had to deal with so far? Yes. I mean, I've had two Achilles injuries. Like, one was a very, very small tear. And the reason that it was classified as a tear is because of the amount of inflammation that was around it. I was basically, how long was that? I might have been out for about three or four weeks. That was a training injury. Um, That was the left Achilles. The right one I sprained and was out for about the same amount of time. Uh, You know, it's had to be in a boot for both. So, trust me, I've been working on building up my leg strength so that doesn't happen again. That hurt. Um, I've had – I don't – that might have been it. That, that's yeah, that's good enough, it. I, I believe. I don't recommend more. Yeah, that, that's it. I don't want any more. Oh, never mind. I, just, um, I had a triple threat – well, never mind. That doesn't really count. I just got checked for a concussion, but I had a triple threat ladder match where I was um, – it was near the end, and my one of my opponents, Saul Esparza, he was doing a sunset flip power bomb off of the ladder. I take my bump, and my head bounces off the canvas. That hurt, but um, they were like, "No concussion. My brain's fine. Just you know, take it easy next time." I was like, "Cool." Well, we're getting close to Halloween, which means, of course trick-or-treats and costumes and all of that. Did mm-hmm. you ever do a costume for pro wrestling, be it as a trick-or-treater or a battle royal or anything of that nature? As a professional? Uh, last night, actually, I saw I broke my nose. I dressed up kind of like a cowboy-ish. It was a little weird, but um, I did that. As far as dressing up as another wrestler, no, I haven't. I was I wanted to do something funny where I dress up with my daughter as the Young Bucks this year, but I don't know how to do all that. So, <laughs> now would you be mad or Nick? I would be probably. Well, my hair is blonde, so I probably Nick's the one with the blonde hair now. I think. So yeah, I'd probably be him. Makes sense. All right. Well, if you were to look around the locker rooms where you go, who do you think would give the best treats to the trick-or-treaters? Oh. Um, 
question. Probably. That is a very good question. <laughs> I think I haven't been in the locker room with Erica Lee yet, but she probably would. She seems like a very nice person. Loves the kids, gives out gummy bears and all that. Just probably gives out the full size uh, Snicker bars and stuff like that. Wait, I have been in the locker room with Erica before, so yes, I'll consider. All right. Now, Christmas also rapidly approaching us. What would you say are some of the best pro wrestling gifts somebody could give this year? This year. Um, oh, shoot, the video game's not coming out till next year. I was going to say WWE 2K22 because I haven't played that game in a long time, but they haven't had a good one since 2K14, so it's kind of all right. But what I would say is probably tickets to an event locally, like if WWE came to town or AEW came to town, one of those two, like, it was the best gift for me, but it was for my 10th birthday, not my, not for Christmas or anything like that. And I'd get figures every year, so those were great. Um, yeah, that's really it. Now, in Maryland, about two years ago, there was a controversy where former WCW broadcaster Chris Cruz reported an AEW match to the commission, and it got investigations, uh-huh. violations, and so forth. Do you have an opinion on that incident? Do I have an incident like that? No. Did you have an opinion uh, no, on I, that incident? Oh, an opinion on it. Um, honestly, that, that's kind of petty. <laughs> uh, AEW, that, that was the um, Omega Moxley lights out match. I remember I was there live because it was absolutely insane. It was scary. I thought Omega was legitimately concussed at the end because when he did the Phoenix Flash and missed, it looked like his head bounced off the wood. I was like, Omega's kind of done. You look like you sleep. Um, my opinion of it, I mean, their AEW, they kind of could just pay the fine, so it didn't really matter. WWE did the same exact stuff. Like, when guy, because, again, you're not allowed to bleed here, so they would ha- come to town, and somebody, if they had to bleed during a the match, they'd just be like, here, and, I mean, they cut the commission to check. But to just go out of your way and run to the commission as if, like, A, they don't see it, and B, like, you're trying to be some hero or something for WWE. I don't know what his intentions were, but overall, that it's just petty. Well, we are getting to the last bit of the show, so if you have anything you would like to say, plug or promote whatever you would like, social medias, merchandise, your favorite pet food store, anything at all, floor is all yours. Okay. Um, so coming up, with my next few met, wait, when does this air? Because I can probably tell a few more matches. Depends. That goes out today. Oh, okay, never mind. And there's one I can't say. But uh, I have one match coming up. is a casket match on October 30th against Ace Dallas at the SWO in Seven Valleys, Pennsylvania. So that's going to be a lot of fun at um, Matinee Mayhem in um, – Parkville, Maryland for EWA. I have a match coming up. I 
Honestly, they may release it beforehand, but we'll see. But I just called out Alexander James, who is a WXW um, trainer. Um, he just wrestled Saul Esparza, and they had a good match. But Saul Esparza is my number one rival right now, and I'm proving that I need to do what he couldn't do, and that's beat Alexander James. And I'm going to take that chance uh, next month. Um, in addition to that, uh, do I have any? My other big match, I can't say yet because they haven't promoted it. Uh, but as far as my merchandise, I have a shirt out right now. It's um, about the Toxic King shirt. It's with my logo on it. has my name on the – I think it's on the front now. But those shirts are $22 online. They're $20 in person. So just make sure if you ever see me, go ahead and get that done. I'll actually have a link to all of that too. Uh, any other matches I have? Oh, the um, Bel Air one, because EWA is running back-to-back weeks, one in Parkville and one in Bel Air. In Bel Air, uh, I know who I'm facing, but I'm not allowed to say so yet. Same thing as my match in November at SWO, which is pretty big. Uh, Very excited about that. I have a lot coming up. Uh, Just looking to win more championships, too. That'd be a lot of fun. But overall, I'm at the point in time where I'm just trying to get good film out there so that people can see that I'm the real deal. That's all that's for. Anything else I need to say? Not really. Like I said, those are my upcoming matches. I have my merch out. And um, that's really it. Well, it has been a pleasure having you today. We definitely want to thank you for being with us and hopefully we'll get this chance to talk to you again soon all right sounds good thank you thank you fans get out there support your local independence get out there if you're in the area if you see rico Hendricks, go watch him he's a great great talent we'll be back sunday afternoon with sunny days and we will be back in one week from this very day with our guest nate patrick so Talk to you soon, fans.
Nah.